I want to talk today to you as family members, as individuals, because this whole week I've really been in deep thought, in deep meditation, in a lot of prayer. And my heart has really, really been heavy because of the reality that has befallen us. I'm sure, like you, like me, you probably know somebody who either is positive or has lost their lives. They could either be in your immediate family, in your neighborhood, it could be friends, from anywhere. As we hear about the numbers that are piling up, thank God that the rate of deaths is slowing down now. We're grateful for that. But the reality is that there's a lot of people who are passing. There are areas in our nations that are hot spots now, and it looks like this pandemic keeps going on and on and on. And as I have interacted with people as a pastor, prayed with them over the phone, talked to them online, as I've listened around, you can almost pick up that some people are beginning to get very tired of fighting. It's called battle fatigue. And this week as I was praying, I really felt in my heart that the sermon that I want to preach today, I would love from the word of God, as best as I possibly can, and God affording me that grace. I'd love for us to go through certain principles in the word of God that can truly give us something, tools that we can use or weapons that we can use to fight back. Instead of us just passively standing by and saying whatever will be, will be, I believe we need to continue fighting on. Of course, like anywhere where there is a battle, in any battle, there will be casualties of war. We will have people passing on in any war, but the soldiers who remain continue pushing on. I want to encourage you as a soldier to please continue pushing on, continue battling on. I'm using 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 10 is the two texts that I want us to examine today. Paul, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12, says this, and I read, Fight the good fight of faith. I just want to read that portion. Fight the good fight of faith. He was saying this to Timothy because Timothy was in a very difficult and very rough time of ministry. He was leading in a time when things were hard and his own personal personality, Timothy, he was a very timid person by nature. He wasn't a kind of guy who was really wired to fight. He would kind of cave in and allow things to happen. And Paul is telling him, look, even if you are involved in spiritual things. Fight the good fight of faith. And that's the title of my message today. Fighting the good fight of faith. That we are to fight in these challenging days means that we're engaged in a prolonged battle. Remember, there have been many pandemics in the past, in the history of humanity. Many pandemics. And those pandemics took a while. 
The Spanish flu of 1918, it lasted for about two years. And we are told that even its second wave was the deadliest. The bubonic plague of, the 13, of 1346, it lasted for seven years. It killed between 75 million to 200 million people. Thank God that's not going to happen on that scale. Nor am I saying this is going to last that long. We are grateful that there's a vaccine that's been investigated. I know there are a lot of things that are being said about the vaccine, but at least there is something that is being done. But the truth is this, the battle is prolonged, the battle is drawn out, and what happens? So it becomes a problem because we're hearing about people getting infected, people passing on. But I'm saying to us, even in the light of that, we should not become despondent and lose our fighting spirit. We shouldn't passively give in as though there is nothing that we can do. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. So we mustn't allow ourselves to have battle fatigue. You see, fatigue comes because of different reasons. One of them is, as I said, when we have been engaged in battle for a protracted period. And so when the battle takes longer, more than we had anticipated. So when we are fatigued, it's when we are in that state of being weary, we become extremely tired, even to a point of complete exhaustion. And when that happens, then you find that people behave in different ways. Number one, there are those who just say, well, after all, this thing is going to get me anyhow. And they stop sanitizing, they stop social distancing, they stop taking precautions, they just give in. There are those, secondly, who start becoming cynical, as though the things that are being done are not helping at all. Remember this, men and women, remember this, ladies and gentlemen, there's an 82% rate of people who survive, meaning out of 100, there are 82, out of 100 people who are diagnosed as being positive, there's 82 of them who survive. And so, even if it may look like we are losing, we're not losing. There's an 82% successful rate. But you see, if we allow fatigue to set in, it happens sometimes even with soldiers when they go to war. And they say the common symptoms of fatigue amongst them that are combat troops is dejection, weariness, hypersensitivity, sleep disturbance, and trauma. This is not time for us, brothers and sisters, to give up now. Last week, we talked about how we can be strong in the Lord. I'm hoping you still remember what we talked about and that you were encouraged as we learned that you and I, we are the receptacles of the power of God and that we are the receptacles of the power of God, which is demonstrative and God is able to back up that power. We said very emphatically, the Bible does tell us not to be strong in ourselves. None of us can be a match for the coronavirus. All our human efforts and trying to fight it humanly is not going to work. We need to be strong in the Lord. And so the Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But then it tells us how to be strong in the Lord. It's at put on the whole armor of God. That expression put on is very suggestive. It talks about the act of a person 
who intentionally takes one garment and wears it. So today, I want to challenge you and me to get into a mode of being aggressive, get into a mode of fighting back. Let's get our fight back like a good boxer. Let's get our fight back. Let's wear the armament that the soldiers would wear in those days. Remember, the soldiers that Paul is talking about in the verse I'm about to read in Ephesians chapter 6, there were people who would wear certain kinds of armor. And so he uses that as a picture language to explain how we must fight the good fight of faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, let me read it for you. It reads as follows. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We read that last week. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The reason we are putting on the armor of God is to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In other words, we are actively engaging in war and we are saying we are not going to lose. We're going to fight. Somebody said, what if we put up a fight and we still lose lives? Well, it's better to go down fighting than to go down being a passive person. Remember, even in, in a time of war, even when other soldiers are falling by the side and they are, their lives are being laid down, the other soldiers don't give up. They just continue fighting. So I want to say to you, instead of you being passive, fight for your life. Fight for your family. Fight for your community. Fight the good fight of faith. We're not fighting with people. We're not fighting against people. We're not against anybody. But we are fighting the fight of faith. And the Bible says the reason we put on this armor is that we should be able to stand against the schemings of the devil. Then it says, verse 12, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And it explains there. Verse 13, therefore, take up, you take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There's a day called the evil day. The evil day, it's times of attack. The evil day, it's times of pandemic. The evil day, it's times when it's like there's an onslaught of our lives. And the Bible says, in those evil days, those are the days where you must put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And note what it says. It says, and having done all to stand. One translation says, and having fought to a standstill, we must be able to stand. I'm saying we need to fight the good fight of faith to the bitter end. We need to fight the good fight of faith. Because remember, like the other pandemics, this pandemic will pass as well. But we don't want to be passive during this time. We don't want to just hang in and just be there by the side and say, it's going to get me. But then it tells us the armor, what we must put on. I want to read it and I'm going to go through every piece of armor and show you how you practically can wear that armor in your life. Remember, we are fighting the good fight of faith. It says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having gathered your waist with truth. 
your loins with truth, one translation says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let me just highlight a few of these armaments, all of them. First of all, we read about your loins being girded about with truth. So we're going to talk about the belt of truth. Number two, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, we're going to talk about what we must put on our feet. Here it says the preparation of the gospel of peace. Number four, we're going to talk about the shield of faith. The Bible says with that shield, you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Number five, the helmet of salvation that comes on our head. And number six, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it closes it and said, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Let's talk about the loins or the waist. The Roman soldiers, when they were dressed in their beautiful armor, they would be sort of having this armor from head to toe, covered in weaponry that was designed to protect them and to equip them for fighting. But very interesting, all these pieces, there's one piece that was the central piece and a very important piece, and that was the belt of the soldier. Because the loin belt, as they call it, or the waist belt, as they call it, it was meant to hold all the pieces of armor in place. Watch this. The sword would hang in a scarpet that was clipped on the side of the loin belt. The pouch that carried the arrows that rested on a small ledge, this small ledge would also be attached to the loin belt. The breastplate would be attached in some place to this belt. And if the soldier didn't have the loin belt, they wouldn't have any place to attach their massive shield or even hang their sword. And the Bible says, first of all, we must put on the loins of truth or the belt of truth. What is that? Well, it's a very important piece of armor because Jesus says in John 17, 17, when he prayed, he said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So this belt, this loin belt of truth, it is when you and I embrace the truth of God's word. What does it mean? When God's word becomes central in our life, it then constitutes spiritual armor. We must familiarize ourselves with the written word of God and know what the word of God does in our lives. It's the word of God that keeps us centered in times of trouble. It's the word of God that helps us to be balanced. You do know this, that uh, there are truck drivers who actually wear a loin belt, particularly those days when the trucks didn't have, you know, power steerings. They would put on a loin belt. You probably have seen sometimes in certain competition when people are doing weightlifting, they will put on a loin belt to be able to lift up the weight. 
Because the loin belt gives you balance. The loin belt helps you to handle the load. It is the loin belt of the written word of God, which I would suggest, read it every day. Familiarize yourself with that word because that word is a weapon that you can use. It becomes our reference point in times of trouble. It becomes the filter through which we filter the things of life. It becomes that which holds us steady in the midst of a storm. And so they would put on that loin belt. But then it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate that the soldiers wore would cover this front part, the chest part of their anatomy. This is where all the vital organs would be, like the heart, the liver, the spleen. Because as they got under attack, you know, when the enemy would retort, they would either try to stab them with a sword or through the spears. And so they would protect this vital part. What does this speak of? The breastplate to us spiritually speaks of the central part of our lives, which is our mind and our emotions. Know this. And this is the area that Satan will mostly attack in our lives. He will attack your mind. He will attack your emotions. There are so many people at this time who at this time whom emotionally they have been so affected. And our minds are thinking of all kinds of things. And the text is saying we should be protected by the breastplate and our minds must be protected. Very often we fall into the devil's trap because we make decisions based on how we feel instead of what is the true light. And so the mind and the emotions are the two areas of life where Satan tries to attack us. He fill our minds with false doctrine. He uses the wicked world around us to tempt us to think wrong thoughts and to pursue wrong things. Satan will try to bring confusion to warp our thinking, warp our feelings, cause us to love the wrong things, to follow the wrong priorities. He will strip the truth from our lives, pervert the truth. He wants to stop us from living the holy life, the pure life. He wants to lure us into envy, hatred, greed, jealousy, immorality. All that Satan wants to do, he doesn't want us to have a mind, that, uh, to have a heart rather, a center that is there. And so this breastplate is there to ensure that it becomes a breastplate of righteousness. In other words, make sure that your mind and your emotions are soaked in the word of God and you live in a way that is righteous because this breastplate of righteousness gives us protection against the evil attack. This piece of armor, when it's in place, Satan will not be able to attack your mind and attack your emotions. And then the Bible talks about what must go on on our feet. It calls it the preparation of the gospel of peace. The soldiers of old, what they would wear on their shoes, they would put on shin guards and sandals. Or they had sandals that would go all the way up to their shins. When you compare this, the sandals, with other pieces of armor, it looks like these shoes are just passive. It looks like they are just something that doesn't matter at all. Actually, when you read properly, you find that these shoes that the Roman soldier wore had spikes on them. These shoes were actually vicious 
weapons. And they would come to the top of their legs, near their knees, and they would extend all the way down to their feet. They used to call them greaves. These greaves on the Roman soldier protected this soldier from the environment and the blows of the enemy. Paul says, wear peace on your feet. What is he talking about? He's saying the peace of God, if we can allow the peace of God to be operational in our lives, it will protect us against the onslaughts, the, the, the hassles, and the attack of the enemy. How do we get the peace of God? We get the peace of God by knowing Christ as Savior and Lord, receiving him into our lives as Savior and Lord, because Jesus Christ is the Prince of, is the Prince of Peace. We get the peace of God as well by learning to cast all our burdens and all our cares on him. The Bible says we should cast our burdens and cast our cares on him because he cares for us. The enemy will always try to disrupt you and distract you and steal your attention by causing negative events to roll around in your mind and make you lose your peace. He wants to give you sleepless nights. He wants to cause you not to be able to be at peace. But Paul says, this peace of God is the one that is able to keep us grounded like these, these spikes on these shoes would keep the soldier grounded. We will be able to be grounded. Not only that, the protective griefs that would stop us from being hurt as we move forward, as we move forward in the face of challenges. In other words, God is telling us, never retreat back and take worry and anxiety in your life. Move forward in the peace of God. Even when things have come against you and there have been challenges, make sure that the peace of God becomes the weapon that you use. Don't back down. Once you cast your cares on God, once you give your life into the hands of God, don't retreat and don't go back. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. It could be in your home right now. There are things that bring worry and anxiety. Instead of allowing yourself to be trapped in worry and anxiety, give it to God and make sure that the peace of God holds you in place. So Paul uses this illustration to say we must firmly tie God's peace to our lives. In Colossians 3.15, he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. We need to let God's peace rule. That word rule there is the word umpire. We must let the peace of God dominate, govern every emotion and help to sustain us in everything that confronts us. If we don't take this decision to follow through and not allow worry and anxiety and insecurity, our lives will be in trouble. Philippians 4, the Weymouth translation says, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and earnest pleading, together with thanksgiving, let let your request be unreservedly made known in the presence of God. He says, and then the peace of God, which transcends all powers of thought, will be a garrison to guard your hearts and your minds 
in union with Christ. Let the peace of God call the shots in your life. Let the peace of God be the umpire of your actions. Let the peace of God add as a reverie for your emotions and your decisions. And then Paul talks about the shield of faith. Taking the shield of faith daily is when we decide to walk by faith every day and we seek the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit every day. A fresh touch of God in our lives because we take on the shield of faith. Remember, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So taking a shield of faith speaks of a believer living by faith on a daily basis. When you consciously take God's word and speak it over your life. You know, very often people don't understand that we've got to use faith in our lives because faith will help us to move over. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall not have any pleasure in him. It says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Don't put away your faith. We used to sing a song, Keep believing God, holding on to your faith. And then the Bible talks about the helmet of salvation. When we know what our salvation is, who Jesus is, what the cross of Jesus means, it helps us in our minds, in our thinking. What does it mean? Fill your mind with the reality of what God has supplied on the cross through the salvation of Jesus Christ. Think about what Jesus did. Remind yourself of what Jesus did. Renew your mind about who you are in Christ. This is about taking on the weapons. Know who you are in Christ and intentionally think about it in your mind. Think about it all the time. Instead of meditating on wrong thoughts, meditate on the salvation that God has provided. And the final piece of armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We are told that this sword was called the Makaria. It's a word that is extracted in the minds of those who heard it. These swords were very vicious because these swords were huge. There are certain swords that were so huge that you had to use them in a double-handed way. Massive, and they would be utilized by people. These swords would be used for fighting in battles, and they would be used all the time. This is the sword that Peter used, by the way, when he cut off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest. But the sword that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 6, it comes from the Greek word makaria, and it, it's, it's a different kind of sword. This sword is almost 48 centimeters in length. It's a little shorter, but it is sharp on both sides. It's a kind of sword which had the tip of it, which was almost pointing upwards, a little bit twisted. And so it's almost like a dagger type of sword. And this sword, you had to get close to the enemy to launch an attack. This is interesting. Of all the, the pieces of armor that we have, including the belt, all the pieces of armor we read about here are uh, uh, protective weapons. They are more of defensive pieces. You wear them 
to protect a part. The only offensive piece of weapon is this Makaria, which Paul says it is the sword of the spirit, which is, he says, the word of God. That word, W-O-R-D, is the Greek word R-H-E-M-A, which describes something that is spoken clearly and vividly. In other words, when you, when you hear that the sword that we have is the spoken word of God, which means this, as we are getting into battle, learn to speak the word of God over your life. Speak the word over your families. Speak the word over your life. Speak the promises of God. Let it be the rhema of God. You remember when Jesus Christ was attacked by Satan? You remember? And as Satan attacked him, he kept on saying to the devil, it is written. This is an important thing, that we learn to speak the word of God over our lives. I've advised many people that, you know, if you are quarantined or you are isolating, instead of lying in bed and, and just watching television and filling your minds with all kinds of things that bring fear, despondency, and so on, why don't you log on the internet? There are many, many good, powerful sermons I've recommended to people to say, why don't you listen to healing scriptures? There are healing scriptures there that are recorded, sermons that have been recorded like Kenneth Hagin on YouTube. Listen to those scriptures and begin to speak them over your life. Speak the word over your life. Speak the word over your family. Say something instead of just allowing this thing just to come into your life and take your life away. Be on the offensive. Fight the fight of faith. Let it be the rhema of the Lord. When Jesus was attacked by Satan, he kept on saying to Satan, it is written. It is written. Now let's conclude. And then it closes by saying this. Praying always with all manner of prayer. Watch this. This is important. It looks like when you read, you get the impression that the reason we put on all this armor is for us to wage a warfare in prayer. And so, in other words, we go into the prayer closet not to pray as a people who don't believe God. We pray in faith. We speak the word. We use the weapons of our warfare. We wage warfare in prayer. We're not fighting with God. We are wrestling with flesh and blood. We are fighting the good fight of faith. You know, I was just sharing with people uh, uh, that uh, with the team just earlier today, that one of the things I've learned as a leader, and you know, it's not always that one is able to do it because you are not able to be aware of every situation. But I've literally on many occasions taken the time to pray for church members. Even now during the night this time, people who were in hospital, who are positive, to bring them before God and pray over them and speak the word of God over them, even if they are far, even if they are in a hospital, then I can't reach them. The word of God has no distance. There's no distance in the spirit world. And I just would pray for them. And let me tell you, as a family member, you can pray for your family members. You can pray for your neighbors. And you can speak this word of God over your lives. But you see, you can't speak the word if you don't listen to the word, if you don't fill your heart with the word. If you don't make sure you spend time in the word of God, if you don't make sure that you wear that belt of truth, if you don't make sure that you have that shield in your hand, everything points back to the word of God. 
and you spend a quality amount of time. So as I conclude, this is what I want to ask you. Instead of us being passive, instead of us saying, let this thing come our way, we can do the following things. Number one, we can speak the word of God over our lives. We can speak the promises of God over our lives. We can say what God says about us and speak every promise and use the sword of the spirit. Number two, we can get to a point where we don't allow our minds to be filled with negativity and put that helmet on, that helmet of salvation and wear that breastplate and protect our vital organs, our mind and our emotions by casting our cares on God. Instead of being filled with worry and anxiety and speaking negativity around people who are not well and saying all kinds of things and watching all kinds of things, we can allow the peace of God to be the empire of our lives. And number three, we can go into the prayer closet. And as the Bible tells us, we can pray with all manner of prayer and we can be watchful there until we engage in warfare. We pray the until prayer. These are the kinds of prayers where we don't pray once. We don't pray only twice. We pray until something changes. And when we pray, we don't pray in unbelief. We pray in line with the word of God. We pray in line with the promises of God. And we call on God because God is able to help us. I believe as you've been listening to the word, you really would love to receive Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. As I said, it all begins on the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you to invite Christ in your life. I'd like to take this time to pray with you. If you've decided to receive Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, please join me in this prayer. Join me in the prayer and pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for your families. I want to pray for our nation right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for our nation. We're going through a difficult time, but we're not despondent. We will fight the good fight of faith. We will take on the whole armor of God. I pray for your healing power. I pray for your strength. I pray for your comfort on those who are mourning. Father, we pray for our frontline workers. We pray for all these, your children, knowing fully well that you are a God who is able to sustain. I pray, God, that they will be doers of the word and not hearers only, that we will put on the whole armor of God that we made wage warfare. We know this too will pass. This will be a thing of the past. Up until then, we will fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.